Let's roll. Hello and welcome Hi. to the Half Blind Hecklers, episode 76. So, of course, today here we have me, the Half Blind one, and we also have Danny, the one who can see. So, hey, before we going? begin, oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Uh, okay. to buy You're a mini for show? I am excited for today's show. Less excited to buy a minivan, but it's something that's needed for the family. <laughs> And therefore, oh, you know. necessary under the present you'll, circumstances. You'll, you'll find the hidden joys of being able to put everything in one vehicle pretty quick. I can put almost everything in my car when I fold down all the seats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Minivan's going to be a different thing. The fact that you say almost kind of shows you, you know, the limitations you have. Yeah. Well, the Minivan's like, huh, all good. Whatever. I'm not going to talk about the silliness because it's silly. But today we have a couple different stories to talk about, and it's going to be a very thought-provoking discussion. So, very slow, <clears throat> slow news day. It was kind of slow, but we're going to kind was, of go over yeah. all the stuff. So, COVID stimulus, of course, this is mo very recent. Biden recently signed a 1.9 trillion relief bill into law. We're going to go over what was inside the bill and how we feel about spending more money than ever printed. It's like a box of chocolates. Yeah. Except the chocolates. Poison. Yes. After that, we're going to talk about the Mumford & Son Winston Marshall leaving the band temporarily to examine blind spots after praising a book by Andy No. Yeah. No. Never, no. never apologize. No. It will never get you anywhere with the cancel culture mob. Never. Never. After that, quick discussion about Milo Yiannopoulos saying that he's ex-gay and wants to rehabilitate conversion therapy. So... Very one interesting discussion. In light Especially in light of all the conversion therapy talks that are going on recently. Then we'll talk about Biden endorsing a law that endangers 57 million jobs because, of course, there's a bill that is proposed that goes against independent contractors. Uh, Denmark and Norway and Iceland are temporarily suspending use of AstraZeneca vaccine due to potential side effects. The Quebec health minister responds to Catholic bishops' call to avoid certain coronavirus vaccines. And then finally, COVID charges dropped on Blades to Fades, which, if you remember, we did a story on them a while back, Love where they were a barbershop in Innisfail that opened up against the coronavirus restrictions. And then, pretty much immediately after that, the government caved. So we need more like this. Mm -hmm. But jumping right into the topics of today. So COVID stimulus, oh, Biden signs $1.9 trillion relief bill into law. Yates. So the bill includes $1,400 payments, an extension of jobless benefits, and a child tax credit that is expected to lift millions out of poverty. Nope. That's not how that works. <laughs> he said the relief package will rebuild the backbone of this country. How? The spending bill, one of the largest in U.S. history, passed Congress without a single Republican supporter. Okay. So, and then, of course, a couple hours ago, he gave a primetime address later on to tout the bill's provisions. He and other Democrats will also hold a signing ceremony at the White House on Friday. So, let's go over how the other side feels about what's inside the bill. <laughs> so, this is, of course, from Fox Business, which is kind of like center-right nowadays mm -hmm. so they're on track so they've already passed this bill 
And as I said, it includes a third $1,400 stimulus check for Americans earning less than $75,000, increases supplemental unemployment benefits by $400 a week through the end of August, which is questionable considering that unemployment is now getting close to what it was before the pandemic. And it allocates $50 billion towards helping small businesses and gives $350 billion for state and local governments. But okay, deficit okay. weary. So, uh, okay, go for it. Okay, just just right there. I want to I want to touch on that really quick. This is the same playbook that the liberals here in Canada do. Yeah. Just so you know, just so you're aware, what happens is these governments they take away your ability to work. They take away your business. They yep. take away your job. They take away. They 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 screw the pooch so badly, and then what they do is they throw you free money, but it's always a set amount, and it's never like. For some people, like if you're a student, this is great. This is more money that you'll make in your in your part-time job. But for a regular person who normally would make reasonable money mm -hmm. at their job, this is nothing. This is that this is basically a, a little tiny a bit, you know, tiny bit of like, you know, like extra help. But be, like I, I saw Justin Trudeau in question period answering for uh what's his name? Uh, Pierre Polio. And he yeah. said he, like Pierre was like criticizing him for all the failures and all how they spend so much money and get so little results. And Trudeau's answer was basically in this line. He's like, well, we've given this and we've given people this much money and we've thrown money at this, we've thrown money at that. People should be thanking us because look at how great we treated them. This is a common lip, uh, sorry, leftist approach, a, a mm -hmm. Democrat, democratic socialism style thing. It's they basically take away the things that you need and they, they give you money to kind of make up for it, but it's never enough. So yeah. just keep that in mind when you see During, this, during that retort to Pierre Polyev, Trudeau also was a massive dick and oh, said, douchebag. Oh, he oh, was gosh. like, because I think he also said Such Pierre Polyev, and he's like, and you were among one of those people who lost their jobs. And it's like, oh, it was and such that's a like, is that a shot. burn now? Like, yeah. are you mm -hmm. seriously considering this to be a burn? It's like, Oh yes, there are yeah. massive business, like lots of businesses lost business, lost their businesses, gone bankrupt, had to fire a bunch of employees. And your retort is, ha ha, you lost your job. Yeah, like mm -hmm. rational Canadians look at this guy and he's like, you're a doofus. But of course, mm -hmm. the liberal voter base is a bunch of doofuses, which is why we still have him. They they love him. They're like I, you know, oh, enamored with him. A bunch of flipping lemons. I will say this: He's getting worse. Like oh, he, he answered is. like Mich Michelle. Oh yeah, Gardner. Michelle Rempel's. Ask them a very oh, sorry, Michelle Rempel Gardner. Ask them a very legitimate question about the dangers of like you know like how, like the delays in getting the second shot in the, in the vaccines and the possible yeah. you know uh, I forget what it what it was is like that. There's some problem with it, a scientific problem. And Trudeau responded by saying, oh, well, you guys are just like, you know, science deniers and idiots. And, and I'm just like in my head, I'm like, how do you get away with this nonsense? Like he, this is the kind of answer a troll, mm -hmm. a totally like heartless troll would give on Facebook. And here we have like our prime minister is giving us kind of answers. Yeah. It's just, it's, it, my, it blows my mind how, how arrogantly douche, douchey. He is. He's a douchebag. He is not yeah. a nice person at all. So, continuing onwards, deficit-weary Republicans have criticized the size and scope of the legislation, arguing that age would be better, should be better targeted to those in need, and slamming Democrats for including certain provisions, such as a $15 minimum wage hike, 
citing a report released by the Congressional Budget Office at the beginning of January, which shows the U.S. economy is poised for a strong recovery even without another round of emergency aid. So as I was saying okay. earlier, do you, do you find it's that not necessary. That both both uh, the, the Democrats and the, the Trudeau liberals here, they're all saying like, don't worry. Yeah, we screwed the pooch, but we're, we're going to bounce back with this great recovery. And like, yeah. wait, what? Like that, that's their big selling point now. It's like the recovery is going to save us. Yeah. It's like the cavalry is coming in. Yes. I just find it interesting that they're both doing that. So one analysis by the Center for Responsible Federal Budget found that more than 15% of the proposed package, about $300 billion, will go towards long-standing... I don't know why it... Why is it continue scrolling up? I don't know. <laughs> All right. I'm not sure. Danger. Danger. Issues. Danger. Issues. For about two seconds there. <laughs> So we'll go towards long-selling policies that are not directly related to the current crisis. Rightfully, if 1% of the spending will go towards accelerating vaccine distribution, completely unnecessary, mm -hmm. and just 5% is focused on public health needs according to the nonpartisan group. Nonpartisan, yeah, I, I believe that as much as... Well, no, this, is, this, this no. is the Center for Responsible Federal Budget. So I would say that's probably more conservative. Also criticizing, okay. So okay. I would say they're probably center-right. Mm -hmm. And Fox is, of course, analyzing them as nonpartisan. But mm -hmm. according to Maya McGinnis, yeah. the, co the goal of COVID relief is to end the pandemic, protect incomes, and support the economic recovery. The House bill not only spends far more than is needed to achieve these goals, but it puts too many of these plentiful dollars in the wrong places. That's a reasonable analysis. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. it's, it's basically like, like spending without thought about a budget. Yeah. It's just like, we're just going to throw money at the problem. So, Canada. <laughs> yeah, this is, it's, it's kind of like that whole idea. What was it? Winston Churchill once said, was, was it Winston Churchill? It was like taxing yourself into economic recovery. It's like <laughs> increasing spending will only, of course, devalue the dollar and increase the deficit. Increasing the deficit in order to try and like balance the budget in any sensible way means you need to increase taxes. It's like this is a kind of a circle. <laughs> Don't you it's see that this is happening? No, no, no. The the way the best way I can put it is like like spending your way out of a like a debt crisis and like out of a financial oh, yeah. problem. It's like trying to dig your way out of a hole by digging by deeper. digging deeper like the simpsons and hoping that it's you like can dig simpsons your way out when, yeah there was an episode of the simpsons when they're all like they, they think that they're digging for the treasure of this like you know like this cat burglar in the springfield and they're all like you know like oh like you know i think we fooled us like you know like hey how do we get out of here let's dig our way out and he just let's keeps dig digging <laughs> yeah. it's basically what they're doing he's like well we're gonna dig ourselves out, out of this mess by digging deeper it's like that you're actually making the problem worse. Oh, much, much worse. Much, much worse. It's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's completely nonsensical. I, I question people that are like, and of course, the majority, I think they said that when they polled people, 75% of the American populace was like, oh yeah, we should do this. Well, because it's free money. money. Uh, what you say now? And it's like, yeah. it's not free money. Somebody comes up to me and offers me a whole bunch of like money. They're like, "Hey, we're gonna give you tons of money." And I was like, mm -hmm. "Okay, you know, people aren't gonna aren't gonna say no." Yeah. Um, like see, even even the government here at, in Alberta, even the government here yeah. in Alberta is just like, 
in the past few weeks, they've offered up like three different programs of free money to people. And of course, I qualify for one of them for sure, because it's like a $1,200 bonus to anybody in education or public health or social services or retail. And I'm like, well, my job technically would count as social services. And I'm like, all right, I get $1,200. Okay. And I, in my head, I'm like, all right, if I get this, I'm giving like a quarter of it to like fight the fines. <laughs> Being like in your face, government. Yeah. <laughs> I will See, use I, your money I've to fight tried, you. Yeah, I've always tried to understand, like, what is it that people are thinking, like these, these government officials, what are they thinking when they do these kind of things? Like, you know, I mean, we're regular people. We look at this. We like this is a ridiculous amount of spending. We're, we're increasing debt. We're so like one one approach. Obviously, you think okay, maybe there's some kind of like like you know maybe there's some like bigger economic theory going on that they're they're playing with. But I like to think more along the lines of uh, like there's a guy from the movie The Big Short. Yeah. That uh, the, the main character interviews at the end, and he's just like the biggest like you know piece of piece of crap ever guy, right? He just does. He knows he's doing wrong, but he doesn't care. But the big thing that he realizes is that this guy has no no risk, no liability. Mm -hmm. He will get paid no matter what happens, and he he, he incurs no no uh, no risk. I think that's what happens with the, with politicians. Doug Ford, Jason Kenney, Justin Trudeau, like, and all these politicians in the states that are doing these bills, they 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 basically they run very low low risk. Of any of these coming things coming back, back to bite them. them, the people, the people who will have to pay for these are regular Americans. Regular Americans who are going to basically feel the sting and the pain of really reckless economic policies. That's what that's the way it always works. And so, if you put your trust in politicians that they're going to get you out of this, what they're doing really is they're gambling. Thinking like we're gonna be like the saviors and we're gonna gamble, but really, we have they have no skin in the game. They're you know really, most of them are gonna get an easy re-election. They're they don't really have much risk, uh, and they're basically just gonna you know play around with you as the kingbacks to see like you know like if they can get their things going. They they do this all the time. Obamacare was a disaster. They thought they were like you know rescuing America, and you no, know, ended up making things worse. So. I think think like that. Think in a big picture of like what's going on. How can they be doing stuff like that without really thinking about like the consequences? Yeah. Speaking yeah, of Obamacare, actually, I think there was a certain. I think there was about 150 billion dollars. It isn't listed in the Fox Business article, but there was another article that I did read that I'll probably link in the description. That I think it was 150 billion dollars that went to like increasing. Um making it easier to access Obamacare. Of course. Yeah. And I'm like, why? You want to fix Because it's like, it's like they do with the renewable energy, solar, wind, all these other ones. It's like, these are, these are failing businesses. They're never going to survive. So we have to, we have to artificially inflate the, these, these corpses to keep them, keep them like somewhat warm. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. Yeah, artificially inflating things to keep the Speaking of work. corpses, somebody whose reputation I... has now died. 
I I was having that. I guess that works. So speaking of corpses, but Mumford and Sons is <laughs> I, like I haven't heard a song from Mumford and Sons in a very long time. Okay, they've kind of fallen out of popularity. Well, they so, used to be really big. Oh, they used to be around. huge. Like I was never the biggest fan of their music, but mm-hmm. I was like, like they're talented. And the guy can play a mean banjo, but apparently now the guy who plays the mean banjo, Winston Marshall, has to leave because he has to examine blind spots after praising, you know, a gay conservative <laughs> journalist. Yeah. So, yeah. as I was saying, the banjo player from Manfred and Sons announced okay. Tuesday that he is taking a leave of absence from the band to examine his blind spots after promoting a book of from right-wing commentator Andy No. Mm-hmm. Over the past few days, I've come to a better understand the pain caused by the book I endorsed. I have offended mm-hmm. not only a lot of people I don't know, but also those closest to me, including my bandmates, and for that I am truly sorry. As a result of my I actions, I'm taking time away from the band to examine my blind spots. Oh my gosh, please know that I realize how my endorsements have the potential to be viewed as approvals. Hateful and divisive behavior. I apologize as this was not my intention. Yeah, I, and I then think I portrayed the. He went, he went to his backyard and burned all those like Doctor Seuss books just to show how woke he is. Yeah, <laughs> this was literally what he said. So the book is called Unmasked: In Taiva Antifa's Radical Plan to Destroy Democracy. I've heard some people say that it's a good book because, of mm-hmm. course, Antifa does have a radical plan to destroy democracy because they're and a bunch Andy of terrorists. It's one heck. Andy knows one heck of a journalist too. Oh, he's so brave. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. well, like smacked aside the head, he said, milkshaked, like, you name it. Yeah, yeah. Like the guy's been yeah, beaten like, ten like, different ways to Sunday. Well, tell us what he tell us what, what the tweet was, and then we'll we'll talk about it. The no. tweet. The tweet what? was congratulations, Mister Andy. No. <gasps> oh my gosh. On Steven, March... Do you have any idea how racist and horrifying that comment is? Like, congratulations. This guy is the scum of the earth the sea literally deserves to be like <laughs> smushed like underneath the boots that's how horrible this person is how dare he it's basically like saying congratulations to hitler yes, even though andy no would be like one of the first ones to go <laughs> under hitler he's asian and he's gay <laughs> But he, but then, then he says something else at the end he's like finally you had time to read your important yeah. book you're, you're a great man. man yeah <laughs> it's like, oh, how dare he? What jerk. Oh, yeah. Received heavy backlash from fans who accused the musician of promoting hateful rhetoric and right-wing conspiracy views. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. Name-calling like, and labels are like just... Yeah. yeah. And I would, I would probably have a lot more respect if he had said, no, all I said was congratulations. And if you're criticizing me, Maybe you should be criticizing Antifa. Maybe you should be criticizing what these groups are doing. Because they're hateful, they're terrorists, yada yada yada, everything under the sun. If he had said that, I'd be like, sign me up. I'll buy a Mumford and Sons C- like, CD. I'm yeah. like, I'll do it. I, I, th- <laughs> I, think there's something that, I think there's something that people need to understand. So I, I was listening to a podcast by a guy named Andrew Laden. Mm-hmm. Who's a reporter for True Rebel. North News? Yeah, he was intro- I No, 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 Rebel. True North, True North. Sorry, True I was North, thinking yeah. of Andrew. Oh, what's his face? Andrew. Yeah, 
I'll let you think about it and then I'll fill it. So, yeah. so he was interviewing a guy, for, a, a reporter from the Post Millennial. And this guy from the Post Millennial was saying that he got hit by the woke mob and they basically made up, like, majority of the stuff that they said was lies. But it didn't matter because they, 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 they will make up stuff. They will misinterpret stuff. They will, like, hide information. They will, uh, you know, make up stuff about you. And the way that they work is that they are malicious and vindictive and harsh. And they will essentially, like, go after, like, your all the people around you. So they actually, he lives in Vancouver. He got, uh, even the, the mayor of Vancouver actually, like, threw him under the bus in order to appease this mob. So the the way I look at this kind of stuff, and this, by the way, this is happening all over the place. This is happening to people everywhere. Like, you know, the big one, the biggest one that happened recently was Gina Carano, who got, uh, you know, like hit by, you know, like by, you know, Disney. Like they got, they canceled her because what she said was like supposedly terrible. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's victim of how the fascist work, mouse, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how they work is basically, uh, if you know anything about fascism and how fascism operated uh, in world before World War II, the, uh, the, Italian, the Italian fascist uh, government, as well as the German fascist governments, they employed an entire like, like paramilitary group of people and their entire job go to universities and go to people and basically use intimidation tactics to silence and scare and and basically like you know uh, make people too afraid to speak up and to to have any opposition to the the narrative that they that they present. So that was a common practice back then, and this is a common practice now. People don't realize that these groups are yes, there a lot of them are amateur Twitter like you know like fools. Like, you know, a lot of them are just like, you know, people on their computers who have nothing better to do. But a lot of these people are also powerful people within the with key connections in the in the culture war. So people uh, people high up in YouTube, people up in Twitter, in, um, you know, uh, corporate media who have a lot of influence and they all essentially pull together. And it doesn't matter. It's like you are at a disadvantage if you're hit by this mob. You're at a complete disadvantage because it doesn't matter how much you correct them, how much you say, like, this is a lie, this is a lie, this is a lie. They will put this stuff up on YouTube and Google. And once it's up, you are basically, your whole reputation is trashed for years. Yep. And you have very little recourse. You can't, you can't, you can sue them. You can, you know, go after them for all sorts of things. But it's, it's like you're trying to, to, to fix uh, your rebuild the house once it's been burned down. It's like it's already destroyed. Now you're trying to kind of salvage what's left there. So it's a powerful movement. And unfortunately, and a lot of people don't realize how, how scary this mob movement is. And when they go after you, they are, they're vindictive. They will go after, they will call your, your family. They will harass you. They will make death threats. They will talk your. Um, they will try to get you fired. They will yeah. try to get you. Yeah, everything. They're vicious oh, and yeah. they're malicious. A lot. Of, a lot of these people are like they really are some of the worst people that you can imagine. Like they, they're a lot of them can be heartless. Oh, like completely. they will threaten their like people, people's children. 
and they will make death threats against children. Like this, this is basically demagoguery at its worst, where you're basically you're fanning the flames of the worst type of humanity there is. And it's there's a reason why a lot of these people cave, because they don't realize the fury and the and and the vindictiveness and maliciousness that that this these mobs tend to tend to work with. Um, so as much as I'm like, yeah, I, I know that there is a process. You like you don't apologize to the mob. Um, you know you you don't you don't give in kind of you know that idea. I do have a sense of of almost like not sympathy, but I I can kind of understand because you don't realize how damaging and destructive this this mob is until they hit you. Indeed. And I, I really do feel for a lot of the people who have to go through this. It's brutal. Oh, yeah, I do too. I do too. And it's mm-hmm. it really, every time I see one of these people that, like, they get called up for something they did years and years and years ago, and these mobs come for them, they come for their families, they try to get them fired. and. Mm-hmm. It drives me a little bit crazy every time that I see these people apologize. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I know that they think that if they apologize, that if they try and explain themselves, the mob will relent. No, but this, this mob the amount of examples that we've seen nowadays, they don't accept apologies. It's, oh, if you did something terrible 10 years ago, you're clearly the same person now. You couldn't have changed. Like, nothing about you has changed as a person, and you're still promoting the same kind of things then as you are now mm-hmm. and yeah it's completely of course nonsensical and no matter what you do you can never make it back into their good books mm-hmm. so yeah. i'm i'm with of course i i love i have profoundly well not profoundly but i have stated my profound love for matt walsh many many times mm-hmm. and i'm with matt walsh when i say if the cancel culture mob comes for you, tell them where to go. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no backing down. And if you apologize, the right's going to be like, oh, you caved. And the left will never love you again. And now you've kind of made ev- enemies of everybody. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you tell cancel culture where to go and how to get there, then at least people on the right. So kind of given what happened to Gina Carano, people on the right would be like, okay, you stood your ground, you told the cancel culture mob how they can screw themselves, and now we're going to try and bring you on board, and we're going to try and do things with you so we can continue to promote your brand. Mm-hmm. And those that have not apologized, like Gina Carano, her success, had, like her name recognition since being fired from Disney, has gone way up. Like, after she yeah, was fired from Disney. Case. It is a rare case. She's, she is a rare case. I mean, I'm yeah. glad that it worked out for her. Mm-hmm. She's, she's far from, like, like yeah. the norm. Like, the norm people's lives yeah. are absolutely trashed and destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually, the, usually yeah, after you mob. kind of defy the cancel culture mob, there is a very, very brief um, mm-hmm. boost to your name your brand like of course like we were covering last week how since they once they canceled dr seuss those six books were going up on ebay and selling for thousands Mm -hmm. because people were like 
hey, you can't print this book anymore. This book is now exceptionally valuable. And, of course, now eBay is cancelling it because screw eBay. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, usually it's a very short stint of increased popularity. And like they need to thing. like they need to use that time to try and get inroads in as many organizations as they can. Because the left establishment power in the cancel culture mob is unfortunately much bigger in the realm of pop culture and media than the conservatives are. We're trying to seize more power. We're trying to take power away from the establishment left and the establishment media. But because they've had their footholds and their talons in that field for so long, they still have a clear majority of the power. And explains why they can do stuff like continue to refuse to allow apps like Parler back onto the App Store. Mm -hmm. Like, there is yeah, no I, reason why that should not be back on the App Store. But because these, oh, these organizations have such immense organizational power and they have blatant antitrust violations, they can do whatever they want and get away with it. Mm -hmm. I, th I think it's also important to remember, like, you know, um, <clears throat> these, these groups operate like a cult. Like, all their actions, all their behaviors, they, they, they tell everyone in their cult that they, there is absolutely no room, nobody is allowed to question the, the message. You cannot question the message. And as a result, anybody who isn't part of the message, isn't part of the inner circle of the cult, is a heretic and has to be burned at the stake. This is, so this is not new. Like, you know, like the Bible says like that, um, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. This is not new. They were, they were burning, they were burning witches way back because they were like a day, terrible danger. They were, they were like throwing people in like, you know, prison for being like, you know, Soviet spies. And it was, I mean, this has been happening all for... along. It was. It was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> See, that was a good, that was a good little, uh, I, know, know. Throw in there. I know. Yeah, yeah, it was good. That was good. Now, Andy, no, like, so for anybody who doesn't know, um, he is a journalist. He his primary focus has been Antifa in the northwest of the United States, or Oregon and Seattle, and he covered a lot of Antifa. He is famous for some of his run-ins and and basically for being assaulted and pretty much beaten in the streets by Antifa. So he he's a brave guy. He's been on a lot of like he he's not a conservative, but he's basically what has he's just anti-Antifa. Yeah, because the <laughs> left has moved so far left that anybody who basically is still the same political left, stance who's still right at Karl years Marx. ago is now yeah is now considered basically conservative. Yeah, so he's not by any means a conservative or he, anything he's like kind of like Tim Pool that way. Tim Pool yeah. by many far leftists is like oh like you're a radical far right like racist Trump supporter and he's like are you insane? And he's like I am center left. But because the radical left has gone completely off their rocker towards communism, which of course I'm looking right now, which makes very little sense, but <laughs> <laughs> they've gone completely off their rocker towards communism. And because they've done this, it makes anybody, as I said earlier, anybody right of Karl Marx, it makes them look quite conservative. Whereas, of course, 10 years ago, Tim Pool would pretty much be in the same line as like the Paul Martin liberals. Mm -hmm. But okay. nowadays it's like, 
Nope, he's nowhere close to the Justin Trudeau Liberals because the Overton window has shifted so substantially. And yeah, conservatives, like, even though we haven't really moved, it's like, well, we support pretty much the same things as we did 10 years ago. But before we were like regular right. And now we're like, oh, my gosh, you're fringe far right. And it's like, <laughs> what? I haven't moved. Yep. <laughs> I don't support anarchy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and these people are are, are not. If you look at any of these people, Andy No, Tim Pool, like just about anybody, they're not like crazy people. They're not even like they're not even remotely controversial. They always use the word controversial in these articles. And I'm like, oh yeah, they're not controversial. They are they're as regular as can be. They're they're just they're just as, they're they're not with you. And so you basically want to throw them under the bus. And mm -hmm. this is the intellectual ignorance that the left praises. Yeah. They encourage their people, don't talk to anybody who, who is not from our side. You basically have to like listen to us and to our message, and you're not allowed to even consider. So they, they throw like Andy No under the bus, but they, if you ask any one of them, I would, I would be willing to bet money. If you talk to any, any lefty who hates Andy No, and you ask him like deep questions about what does he say? What is the message? They have no what do you idea. know about him? They have no idea. Yeah. They don't even know why. They just know they're supposed to hate him. And yeah. this is the intellectual honesty that they that they practice. It's it's almost like the fact that the term turf exists of trans exclusionary <laughs> radical feminists. It's like you look at mm -hmm. anybody who fits into the turf category, you would never find any of those people agreeing with anybody in the conservative right. But because they exclude transgenders, because transgenderism, of course, by a decent amount of the population, is like, yeah, that's delusionary activity. <laughs> and so because they're like, well, no, they're not women, and they should be not included in women's sports. Of course, there was just a recent mm -hmm. poll from last, from I think it was mid, mid to late February, where it said 55% of the American population disagrees with having transgender men in women's sports but it's only a small majority yeah because... you take that poll 10 years ago and it'd be like 90 percent of you like are you insane why would we have men play with women's mm -hmm. sports mm -hmm. and now we're like yeah. almost getting to the point where there's a majority that think that men should play in women's sports yeah and it's a very strong propaganda like you know uh, media mm -hmm. and everything out there like it's people don't realize how powerful the propaganda machine is in hollywood and media and tv and everything else it's insane I, they can they can convince people of all sorts of ridiculous things now i mean COVID is a per perfect example of that indeed indeed it is yeah but speaking of controversial people oh i think i'm gonna let you do all the transitions today so let's see how you do them <laughs> speaking of controversial let's talk about milo yiannopoulos because there's basically nobody more controversial in my life. <laughs> I, I will say he like he like, does I, have I've good stints. The speeches I he I see the speeches in, in college campuses. He was fun to watch. Oh yeah, he's fun that. to I don't watch. Agree with everything he said. But yeah, but sometimes I'm like, uh, I don't like that. Nope. But yeah, sometimes yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, like you're on board, and then other times I'm like, nope, no, you're not. <laughs> So yeah, I, I found I was, edgy. That's why yeah, he's I, definitely edgy. So 
Myelinopoulos has come out as ex-gay, announcing that he would like to rehabilitate what the media calls conversion therapy over the next decade, according to a report. So, mm-hmm. the commentator, whose speeches and writings often ridicule, ridicule political correctness, social justice, and feminism, declared himself no longer gay and sodomy-free. He said that, once said that sex between 13-year-olds and older men can be life-affirming, said that he is now leading a daily consecration online to St. Joseph. So clearly very Catholic. When I used to kid that... I only... knew that before. Hmm? Oh, yeah. He, he often, like, you know, ascribes some kind of, like, relationship with the Catholic Church. Yeah. Before. So... I remember that. He said that when I used to kid that I only became gay to torment my mother, I wasn't entirely joking. Of course, I was never wholly at home in the gay lifestyle. Who is, who could be. Only leaned heavily into it because the public... In public, it drove liberals crazy to see a handsome, charismatic, intelligent gay man riotously celebrating conservative principles. It's true. It's true. Oh, yeah, it's, about it's it totally... Time. It drove liberals absolutely nuts. That's not to say mm-hmm. I didn't throw myself enthusiastically into degeneracy. I suppose I felt that's all I deserved. I'd love to say it was all an act, and I've been straight this whole time, but even I don't have that kind of commitment to performance art to talk about method acting. <laughs> He's not Heath Ledger, folks. No. <laughs> Asked about how he decided to become sodomy-free, he said, four years ago I gave an interview to America Ma- Magazine, which they declined to print. It's taken me this long to live up to the claims, but I'm finally doing it. Uh, my recent stream of consciousness telegram feed, I've been even more explicit, stomach churningly so, and my comments under the X days without sodomy posts or anything to go by. They reminded Indianapolis what his posts on social media site Parlor of members of the Changed Movement with the caption, Look at these beautiful souls, rid of their demons, and cured of their sinful urges. Can't you tell they've been saved? I can. So, as for the change movement, I guess because they're Californian, they don't see how funny their website is. Or maybe they're dirty non-doms who think God loves you the more gay you act. But I was slightly making fun of them with that caption. (laughs) Uh... Someone really ought to tell them to use more heterosexual-looking photos on their website. (laughs) <laughs> so after the next decade so what do you, yeah he he's trying to kind of rehabilitate what the media calls conversion therapy because he's saying that it does work mm-hmm. but it doesn't mm-hmm. work for everybody and sometimes like things are not going to work at all at the same time sometimes it takes mm-hmm. months it takes years so we're not going to notice all these things right at once and a lot of people of course some of the main controversy about Yiannopoulos coming out as ex-gay, which is odd that you need to come out as ex-gay. <laughs> it's kind of like the silliness of the whole like super straight thing, which I went to burn Tuesday and is still hilarious. But <laughs> a lot of people were saying, oh yes, like Myelinopoulos is a troll. This is just like furthering his, his troll identity. And now he's kind of just doing it because he hasn't been in the public eye for a while. And now he's kind of getting back into the public eye with this kind of out there statement. Yeah. I, I and I'm okay, so here's the way I look at it. Okay. Like, I, so somebody, so one of my friends was commenting like, you know, like, Oh, maybe he's doing this all just to kind of like, you know, uh, to be edgy and to you know, make a thing. Troll the lips. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Troll. But the problem, here's the problem though. The there's if there's one thing that is more hated and more like you know like almost like committing social suicide more than being a conservative Trump supporter is coming out as ex-gay. Yeah. 
like people in the ex-gay community, like the gay community wants them. to basically they hate them with a passion. These are these people are like dead to them. Oh, like yeah. if you if you if you've ever like you looked into like you know Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons or or some uh, religious sects and all that. If you leave the religion, you are dead to everybody in there. They they basically treat you like they will they will even like almost have a pretend funeral to like basically be like yeah you're dead to us we we don't want to talk to you at all. This is what ex gays and ex trans are to the gay community. We're here for you, Tasty. So much so, <laughs> so, much so, so much so that in uh, Canada here uh, the Canadian government is trying to pass. A, a conversion therapy ban, which I can't get into the whole details, but it's 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 an over the top, and it's been very obviously pointed out that this is not about protecting gay people. This is about completely and totally targeting religious and religious people and conservatives, and uh, and basically make making destroying anything that would prevent anybody from from choosing a gay lifestyle or trans lifestyle. The problem is. In the in parliament, there are parliamentarians who believed that the idea of somebody being ex-gay was a myth. They literally said they thought it was a myth, and they were shocked, like literally shocked when they found out that they had people who testified who said that they were ex-gay. And they were like, I didn't think that was a thing. They, they literally didn't think that was a thing. So the idea that Milo is coming out just for the, you know, political, the, yeah. you know, uh, almost like the, the the social and political advantage of being edgy. I don't think this is the way, like it literally, it's not a socially winning thing. Like he, it's a socially winning for him to be, to be gay. <laughs> it's socially <laughs> winning for him to be gay and conservative because that's the conservative movement's going to love that. Yeah. Right. But he was, yeah. It kind of made him, like, because people were like, oh, like, conservatives and Republicans, like, they're just bigots. It's like, well, how about this guy? How about this guy? How about this guy? Like, these are, of course, like fairly famous, like, the, like, homosexual or whatever point, conservatives. Yeah. And that was kind of, like, the one thing, because a lot of, like, mainstream conservatives were like, eh, I don't like him that much. Like, he said things, of course, yeah. that were, like, almost promoting pedophilia, that were a little bit racist at times. And... A lot of mainstream conservatives were like, yeah, like I despise the guy. Like Ben Shapiro hated him. Yeah, he did. And so a lot of these mainstream conservatives, well, it's like, yeah, we don't like him, but it's like we can kind of point to him as a gay conservative, even though we don't really like him. And now it's like, well, if he changes his tone, which it sounds like maybe a little bit he might, mm -hmm. then they might come around to it. But can they kind of forgive past wrongs? We'll see. It's it's kind of up in the air. I'm I'm open. Like based on how he was talking, it sounded to me like yeah, he's like there's legit been a change in his life, and he's trying to live up to the standard that he's trying to be setting up for himself. And he sounded a lot more civil than he's kind of been in other interviews. Because every time that I heard him in an interview, he was like, oh, hello, darling. Mm -hmm. I can actually do his voice like, really well. Like, he really well. played the part really well. Oh, yeah, he did. It's fun to do like, that. oh, hello, daddy. How are you? <laughs> oh, I'm wonderful. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, I, I was rooting for you. I really was. You know? Yes, I was. Look at um, me. I'm, I'm a gay. There's... <laughs> 
there was a Bible verse that I, I I did think of when I when I thought about like what do you do with Malagenopolis? Because I yep. mean like he, like like can you endorse him? Can you not? Like what do you mm -hmm. do with him? And I and I looked I had to look it up. It was from Mark chapter nine. But Jesus asked like there's this guy doing miracles and casting out demons. Should we stop him? And Jesus says like no 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 don't stop him because he's actually even though he's not with us he's still we're, he's basically fighting the same battle yeah and so like anybody who's not against us is with us mm -hmm. this is the way i look at milo yiannopoulos okay. i'm like it like you can't endorse him entirely as like a christian or, or like you know wh whatever he is but he's basically fighting the same battle from a different angle it's kind of like in the abortion uh debate for pro-life i mean if you can be a, a christian pro-lifer but you can have atheists fighting the same battle with you and so yeah. I was like, well, don't oppose them. Like, you know, if they're going to fight the battle and they're essentially helping you fight it from a different, um, uh, you know, perspective, then that's that's a win. And yeah, so I would sense. actually say, like, you know, like, yeah, don't don't oppose them because if he's fighting for for like, you know, against conversion therapy bans, I'm like, hey, all all power to him. Indeed, indeed, because we certainly yeah. need all the help we can get when it comes to conversion therapy bans lately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Speaking of uh, all the, you know, getting all the help we can get. Oh, okay. This all is right. not right. the way to go. Right. Okay. <laughs> Reasonably well prayed. I mean, all okay. the help, all the help we can get to yeah. protect us from this. This. So. This guy. Biden just endorsed a law that endangers 57 million jobs. With the rise of gig economy jobs, such as driving for Uber and other forms of independent work enabled by the digital era, more than 57 million Americans now work as freelancers. But President Biden just endorsed a radical labor law that endangers their livelihood. They recently introduced the PRO Act, which among many sweeping reforms would make many commonplace forms of independent contractor, freelance arrangements, illegal. It's based on a California law that was so dysfunctional even voters in a very blue state voted to change it. Quote, the administration strongly encourages the House to pass the PRO Act and looks forward to working with the Congress to enact this critical legislation that safeguards workers' rights to organize and bargain collectively unions mm -hmm. yeah they're they're basically they're basically catering to their unions well oh, yeah. unions like taxis yeah like remember big cities taxis like taxi uh, groups and organizations they hate uber oh they, they do. hate it they completely because hate. they're basically they're basically undercutting the taxi industry and these taxi unions and places like this What's the one thing that they would love to get rid of is Uber because oh, yeah. Uber is a, a cheaper way of traveling. Mm -hmm. And who's the person that 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 uh, loses in that transaction? It's the people who uh, benefit from being Uber drivers and people who will benefit from having cheaper transportation. So yeah. they basically want to take you back to the dark ages of taxis that are way too expensive and overpriced. So but they're helping out their union friends. They're they're paid off. According to the according to this article, it purports to stop workers from being misclassified as freelancers in order to force companies to hire them full time. But the Pro Act's yeah. redefinition of freelance worker is so narrow that a worker can only provide a company with a freelance service that is outside its normal purview. For example, Uber is a driving company. It couldn't hire drivers as freelancers, but it could potentially hire a janitor as a freelancer. That makes zero sense. Mm -hmm. So, well, freelance jobs such as Uber drivers that, yeah. or part-time newspaper columnists would be illegal in their current forms. My writing as a regular contributor to the Washington Examiner would be unlawful. Oof. 
So mm-hmm. some people might get hired on full-time as a rope, but many more would lose work altogether. And many freelancers don't want to be full-time employees. It's often the flexible schedule and ad hoc arrangement that draws stay-at-home moms to freelance writing or after-hours workers to their Uber side hustle. I myself mm-hmm. have like considered it in times that we were a little more financially unstable and when we needed a little extra cash to pay for things like car repairs or other sort of fixes like that. I've certainly considered doing Uber or DoorDash or whatever just to like make some extra money on my own time. And it's it's really scary how it's they just want to eliminate any job where they can't kind of get their fingers and get their tendrils into the control. Mm. It's it's really scary how far they're willing to go and how many jobs and how many livelihoods they're willing to destroy to kind of push oh, and, whatever and, and their puppet masters like, want know, to filter in. Already, yeah, and this is during a time when the economy's like nose diving mm-hmm. and people are already like, you know, like trying to hold their, like, you know, trying to survive and they're going to do something like this. Like, this is an example of where government sucks at fixing problems. They just make everything worse. Government always sucks at fixing like, problems. We've 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 we talked about like the fifteen dollar you know like minimum wage. How it has the completely opposite effect of hurting employees and hurting businesses because businesses have to downgrade uh, like or downsize their their workers. They have to limit hours. They have to be much more stringent about the, their things and workers lose because you know they they lose their jobs or they lose the amount of hours that they get or like a whole bunch of things it's any economist like you know worth his salt looks at the 15 dollars an hour thing and says like this is stupid you're basically if your goal is to help people this is the last way you can yeah, help this people. is really dumb. this is a, a, this is only helping the rich yeah like the rich companies to basically you know you know, get rid of their their competition. And really, that's what it is. So the left always talks about how, oh, you know, like, oh, look at the Democrats, look at the Republicans, look at these conservatives that they want to, like, help the rich. And I'm like, in practice, Democrat policies are Are basically helping the rich. rich. Like, when Trump Trump, uh, signed that uh, tax tax cut, okay, that helped so many, like, low-income families in a practical way. And the, the Democrats are like, oh, look, your your tax cuts for the rich. Like, no, tax cuts for, for everybody. everybody. Everybody benefited. Yeah. But then the Democrats put things like this in the in the way. Who benefits? Not the not the people who are being hired by no. these companies, not the companies Only themselves. Taxi unions. And not the people who are ben- all these unions and big businesses that basically want to drive out competition. The Democrats yeah. basically they like to like Get, like they'd like to take a piece of petrified turd and <laughs> cover it with this nice golden, like you know, golden like golden spray, wrapping like, paper. Yeah, so be like, yeah, just give you this is- present. To be like, I've given you this golden present. It's like it's a turd. Yeah. Be like, but it looks it's nice. It does, but yeah. it's a turd. It's a golden turd. No, I'm those sorry. Democrats, they're in the they're in the pocket of big taxi. <laughs> oh, gosh. So. Oh yes, I'm big dying. taxi. All right. What's the next one? Speaking of golden turds. Okay. Let's talk about the vaccine. (laughs) That was a good one. That was a good one. Speaking of golden turds, let's talk about the vaccine. 
So Denmark, <laughs> Norway, Iceland temporarily suspend use of AstraZeneca vaccine, which we're also going to be talking about in the next article. So health authorities in Denmark, Norway, and Iceland suspended use of AstraZeneca following reports of the formation of blood clots in some people who had been vaccinated. Austria early stopped using a batch of AstraZeneca shots while investigating a death from coagulation disorders and an illness from a pulmonary embolism. Eesh, that's scary. Still, scary. the European medicine regulator EMA said the vaccine's benefits outweighed the risks and it could continue to be administered. Of course, of course they do. Always do. It's kind of like, oh, the medicine do. regulator, because they don't get any kickbacks. Mm-hmm. Never. Europe is struggling to speed up a vaccine rollout after delivery delays from Pfizer and AstraZeneca, even as a spike in cases amid a more contagious virus variant has triggered fresh lockdowns in countries like Italy and France. Oof. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Italy. So Denmark suspended the shots for two weeks after a 60-year-old woman, who was given an AstraZeneca shot from the same vast huge in Austria, formed a blood clot and died, Danish health authorities said. Their response was also prompted by reports of possible serious side effects from other European countries. It's currently not possible to conclude whether there is a link or acting early. It needs to be thoroughly investigated. I, so it would be suspended for 14 days in Denmark. I am totally behind the idea of, okay, we're going to stop usage until we can investigate this. So many countries are like, okay, we understand that there's been like a lot of side effects that we're not kind of counting on. That we're not really reporting, that we're kind of just hoping that nobody talks about. And we'll kind of continue parroting the line and we'll make sure that Facebook and Twitter continue to parrot the line. Oh, yes, the vaccine is 100% safe. Like the risk of dying is basically zero. It's like, mm-hmm. no. Anytime that they're saying, oh, yes, this is like, it's a death shortly after the vaccine, it's completely the opposite of how they reported COVID deaths. It's like, oh yes, they got the va- they got the vaccine, then they died a few days later. But that wasn't from the vaccine. It was they had pre-existing health conditions, and it's like something else. Why didn't you say that about COVID? Why didn't you say that about COVID? COVID was killing them from their no, but that was like COVID made it worse, and it's like, and the vaccine mm-hmm. didn't. Like, come on, <laughs> let's be honest here. It's 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 a blatant double standard. Mm-hmm. I think like the, the the one that I saw that was the that just absolutely made me shake my head in disbelief was somebody shared a video of this lady who posted it on Facebook. She was she had a vaccine and she was having spasms, muscle spasms, and her legs were spasming, and yep. she couldn't stop. Like it was just there was some Shaking damage so that was caused to yep. to her brain that was basically. And I've seen lots of these everywhere. And what what do you get underneath that video of this lady like you get the Facebook like fat check. Here? You get this Facebook fast check, like vaccines have been extensively tested and are proven safe. Like this lady, this lady is suffering and is basically suffering. being told by the CDC that she has to wait to be able to even yeah. report it and to be examined. Because there's a big because there's a big backlog like, because a ton of people are having side effects. And like the I, reporting system, V VAERS or V A E R S has reported a certain amount of deaths and a certain amount of side effects. But as we know, like that's only a very small amount and they are exceptionally hesitant to list any side effects as being directly from the vaccine. Yeah. They're basically saying if that, if the side effects happen while you're still in the clinic, then it's like, okay, yeah, it's from the vaccine. It's like, what if they were like a couple days after? No, 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 that's not from the vaccine. That's from underlying health conditions that would have happened anyway. It's like, but there's no evidence to say that. 
Yeah. You can't just I, I assume like, that it would happen anyway. There was a there was a I think a nursing home where like the majority of the the residents who got the vaccine shot and a lot of the uh the, the workers there like a lot of them got extremely sick and a lot of them died yes. but they all that then that the the story that you're told is that oh they all died from covid yeah and so you're like like it was such a blatant like i mean i like you can't you, you obviously can't like come out and say like you know clearly this was like all vaccine but it's extremely suspicious yeah it's it's you, exceptionally immediately suspicious. you're like that that just like the fact that they're so quickly rushing to label this as COVID deaths really makes you suspicious. So the, the, here's the problem. The amount of things that we like that we know about COVID are we have a mountain of, of information about COVID already. And we, we can do. be fairly confident about like, you know, like about the death rate, about the infection rate, about whether or not it spreads asymptomatically, uh, about the tests, about all this. We have so much information. It's we have a wealth of information. But what we don't have, we do not have reliable information about these vaccines. No. And we're not asking serious questions about some serious issues with these vaccines. Like 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 skipping animal trials, like rushing yeah. these vaccines, like why are they not getting liability? Like like if you go so if you go down and you get a vaccine shot and you have a like you either die or you get some some like terrible like accident, some injury from the vaccine, you're on your own. No one's going to cover you. Do you know this? Do you, are you aware mm -hmm. that you cannot sue the company and you cannot sue the government? You are completely barred from that. You're on your own. Every it's 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 insane to me that people don't realize how how risky this is. And here's the thing. Uh, here's a very big thing I want to say. Why are we trusting these companies like they're some kind of a uh, like like they're in this for like the common public good? Why do you treat these companies like they're benevolent, you know, like, you know, pharmaceutical companies? They're they're in it for the money and they are not they, they, they are not they don't have clean hands. These are companies that have had years of very, very problematic uh, lawsuits and payouts and really sketchy actions. And if you look into it, you're going to be shocked at the amount of like things that these companies have been responsible for. But we're trusting them to be totally wonderful, like benevolent, you know, like, you know, people that you know, like that are, are there for our good. It's like, no, they're making money from all this. Like and they, they stand to have no risk from from like what if these vaccines kill millions of people, not they're, they're fine. They're not going to lose any money like. It's amazing to me how how people don't realize how insanely risky and dangerous this is, and how little we know about these vaccines. I I actually am afraid that there is a massive cover up worldwide going on with these vaccines. Like it's it's yeah. actually yeah. like shocking to me how how big this might this might be. This might be like one of the biggest cover ups I've ever seen. I mean, as far as I know. Conspiracies. <laughs> so All speaking right. of. Uh, Terribly, like you know. Actually, I, I got nothing for this one. Oh, Just go, go to the stupid. See, I was, I was, I was gonna go about speaking of not knowing things about the vaccine. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, I like that. This one I has. Like... 
So Quebec Health Minister responds to Catholic bishops' call to avoid certain coronavirus vaccines, and the reason they're calling to avoid certain coronavirus vaccines is because there's aborted fetal tissue lines in them. Bam! Which is not no, highly publicized. Nope. So Quebec Health Minister so Christian Dubé took to Twitter on Thursday to respond to the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops over their opposition to the use of certain coronavirus vaccines. I'm not going to say what he has to say in French. Oh, it says it down. It says it downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it in a, in a French accent. I vigorously denounce this declaration of the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops. Dubé wrote. I invite all Quebecers to trust our experts and those from around the world. All the vaccines we administer are effective. <laughs> Do you notice the how they, they, they treat these vaccines? You know they treat these vaccines like they're sacred. Oh, I know. It's like it's almost like you this cannot sacred, doubt like, them. You know, thing you cannot doubt. It's like it's like the holy relic that you cannot speak. You cannot speak against the holy relic. It's amazing to me how like they're almost sacred. It's almost like mm-hmm. it's almost like a blasphemy to to say anything you know like wrong about them. Yeah, it's amazing to me. Actually. And do you want to know what they're saying about them? The Catholic Confederate Conference of Catholic Bishops are saying that the Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna vaccines can be morally acceptable from Catholics to receive since the connection to abortion is extremely remote, the bishops said. In contrast to these vaccines, the AstraZeneca and Johnson's and Johnson's vaccines utilized abortion-derived cell lines in their development, production, and confirmatory testing. The bishop said that AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson can be used in good conscience if no other option is available. That's what they said. Contradictory. It wasn't. Like it like... wasn't even anything crazy. Like it wasn't even as like nowhere near as far as we're going. Where we're like, okay, like we really need to examine these vaccines because a lot of side effects and a lot of deaths have now been coming out of the woodwork, and people need to talk about. It. Like if they had said that, the prime minister would basically be like, I condemn with all like all these anti-science bigots from the Catholic conference. Mm-hmm. But. This is not even a controversial statement. It's like, are they made from aborted fetal lines? It's like, yeah, they kind of are. Okay, then we shouldn't be using them. That's a fairly easy Catholic base. And yet they're not even stalling on it. They're like, well, if there's no other option, you can use them. It's like, no. It's like, if there's no other option, you can kill kids. It's, It's not a, like... It's not the best solution, but if there's no other option, just go ahead and kill them. It's like that's not. How, that's a ridiculous line mix, to take. They mix their their their. Um, so there's two there's two like you know worldviews. One is the religious one, where like you know moral moral evils should always be condemned, and one is the 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 earthly like you know pragmatic one, mm-hmm. where they're like, well. Really, everyone should get the vaccine okay. because we're pragmatists and all that. Yeah. But, you know, like, God doesn't like us killing babies. But, you know, like, <laughs> if you have no choice, it's okay to, it's okay to profit of dead babies yeah. so that you can be protected. It's, it's like yeah. the Catholic if you Church feel has pressured, issues then do with, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the mainstream Catholic Church is... Well, I don't know if you noticed that your your website is just ridiculous. They have the like a magic picture poops. of a lady with a giant, giant and a, a lady with giant jugs. <laughs> like, oh, that's not mine. Distracting website ever. No. Oh, it oh, is. Okay, it's right. It like, is. Uh, yeah, okay, it's like the weirdest like pictures. I'm like, I don't know who I don't know who decided to put these ads. But yeah, so you the, can blame like, Post Millennial, not me. 
I don't even <laughs> yeah. I don't even really see that because of course I'm on OBS and so I'm like trying to keep track of how everything is working in OBS and so that's covering right over yeah. the woman with the big jugs and so <laughs> it was so funny dude. I'm like thankfully none of our point. viewers could see that so this is still PG yeah. content oh good okay I'm glad <laughs> only I'm subjected to it it's just Danny yeah. being subjected to us <laughs> it's not just that she has it's not just that she has like a bathing suit with like giant jugs. I know. It's that they're it, like they go and then they also they close up, you're like, what? What are you doing? I don't want to anyways. So speaking <laughs> of distractions so that, that <laughs> So the the problem is that the um that that the I agree with the, what the Catholic Church essentially was trying to say. Yes. Like it's it should be morally reprehensible that like that you're using you're profiting off the dead bodies of like children in order to make these things it's like the an end justifies the means approach yeah. and i i totally condemn any kind of like any kind of medicine that that uses dead children in order yes. to be made i think that's morally reprehensible and i agree with that uh so i i think you and i Stephen, would probably be on the same boat oh yeah you're like no no it's like it, you can't justify using a dead baby in order that you yeah. know you benefit it's like uh, no no i i can't support that yeah like even so, even if we're talking like to kind of branch off from vaccines and talk about stuff like um not i ivd like in vitro where yeah, they make a bunch of extra embryos and then it's like well we're probably going to destroy them. And it's like, does the ends justify the means? Like, yes, you're trying to create life, but you're also creating a lot of extra embryos. Like if you're using all of those extra embryos and allowing those embryos to be adopted, then I'm totally fine with that treatment. Mm -hmm. yeah. But if you are saying, well, like I'll just keep the ones that I want. And then the ones that don't get used, it's like, it's okay if they're destroyed. It's like, no, 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 no. Like that, Kind of moves into the into the realm of the immoral. Like I get that that wasn't your initial intent. Your initial intent was not to kill, but it's still an end result. Yeah. So and it's in the same this, realm as this, these vaccines, where it's like, yes, your intent with using aborted fetal cell lines to make vaccines to save lives, but mm -hmm. does the end justify the means? Like, I, I understand that a lot of modern vaccines are from an aborted fetal cell line that was cloned and developed from the 70s. And so the connection is fairly far. Remote. Yeah. It's very remote. Not for a while. And if I, if I remember correctly, that aborted fetal cell line was, like, from a lady who was about to die, and they couldn't save her. So it wasn't like somebody who's like, oh, I'm I'm poor and like I just want to kill my kid. It's like, well, no, we have to do this because we can't save the kid at this point. You have to be careful in these kind of cases because you do. there's you do. there's a well, yeah, you have to be careful with the the slippery slope uh, risk. Yes, because the the second you start like being like, oh, whatever, it's it's for the, it's for the greater good, the greater mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing. The then it just it just it just slowly like you know barrels how to control you have to be very careful with this kind of stuff so you know so it's a good thing to be to be think about the ethical implications of this kind of stuff indeed indeed so yeah. it's but speaking of ethical implications 
Let's talk about the lady who <laughs> took on City Hall and the province and won! Ethical implications. <laughs> okay. I would maybe go with that one where instead of saying ethical implications, be like, well, speaking of standing up to the power. <laughs> no, it's still ethical implications because it is. the big question about this lady was whether or not she was doing right or wrong by opening. I think a lot of us said, like, no, she's doing right. And yes. ethically, I, I supported her completely. Oh, I, I did think, too. Like, for a lot of reasons, I think she was justified in doing what she did. Oh, yes. So, COVID charges dropped, tossed Blades to Fade's barbershop allowed to reopen. So, we covered this story probably about a month ago. No, about the barbershop rebellion. Christmas. Yeah, this ooh, that was a while ago. Dang. Long time ago, yeah. But they weren't allowed to open until February 8th, I think. Yeah. No, I think it was after Christmas. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was after Christmas because it's... She was... Uh, like, I remember, like, she opened, but then they suddenly changed, changed course, and they were going to open a week after finding her. Yeah. Like, open for, for, for hair cutting. Because it, was, it so. was February 8th. That was the initial date where they said, like, that restaurants could reopen partially. And she was before Mirror. She was open before the whistle stopped. So, Anyways, well, if you know the timeline, we'll, we'll go back and probably guarantee <laughs> this stuff. But, so, she opened, brief overview of what happened, she opened her barbershop in defiance of lockdown restrictions that forced her to close. So closing barbershops didn't make any sense to her since her industry wasn't responsible for a single COVID outbreak. And she received immediate support from members of her community with the exception of the usual scolds, Facebook, busybodies, and Corona scaredy cats. As well as, as, well as local hairdressers without the tenacity to do what she did. She also received a visit from the cops and health inspectors who issued her a summons to appear in Rindier Court. But right after client opened her barbershop, the government backed away. And she had forced the government to make a decision to reopen. She changed things for the entire industry, and she also put herself in legal jeopardy to do it. Huh? And it now inspired her to run for town council in Ennisvale to make sure that our freedom-minded people like her making municipal bylaw. So today, so this was on March 8th, today was Klein's court date, and guess what? All charges were dropped. So this is the second time that all charges were dropped. It also happened in the case of Chris Stop with the Mirror Stop Cafe. And this is a very good sign. Like, I was really worried when it came to the situation with uh, James Coates and how last week on Friday, which we didn't get to cover, last week on Friday, he was not granted bail. And that was ridiculous. Because it was completely ridiculous. He stay in jail, even though his possible penalty does not include jail time. Yes. Like, Think about that. And of second. course, the day that he was told that he had to stay in jail and that his bail would be refused, the Edmonton Police Service was like, um, so please be on warning and guard that there is a pedophile that we're releasing into the public. And it's like, it's like oh, it's no, like you didn't. Of Jesus and, Bar and, and, and Bar Jesus or Barnabas. Oh, yeah. Like the, the story of the Gospels. It's like, which one would you like me to release to you? It was like, we want Barabbas. Please send us the child rapist. We yeah. want him. It's like, we want the child rapist. Okay. It's like, really? There you go. You want the child rapist? <laughs> yeah. 
Why do you want the child rapist? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Pastors are jerks. They should be doing. They're the so mean. So mean. Yeah. They're just terrible people. Pastors. Pastors. Pastors are far more dangerous. So yeah. much more dangerous. So yeah. flipping dangerous. So anyway, so this lady. Oh yeah. So um, her big con. Her big uh showdown was January January twelfth. I just looked it up. Okay. Right. Yeah. So that's that just after Christmas. Yes, that is just after Christmas. So you were a little closer than I was on the design. Or not on the design, but on the timeline. But it should serve as an example for anybody who wants to open their business, who wants to go back to full capacity, any church, barbershop, restaurant, anybody that wants to kind of stave off bankruptcy, the government... As it stands right now in the courts, do not have the authority to keep you from opening. And that is a good thing. It's a very good sign that they know that they do not have the authority to keep you from opening. And if more people and more businesses know this, and more businesses start to stand up, start to say no, and more businesses start to put up signs saying like, you can wear a mask if you want, but we're not going to enforce it. Mm-hmm. Like, little shout out to the Centex Bennington. They have a sign that says human rights are non, not optional. Yeah, non-negotiable. And I'm like, like yep, that. I'm with you right there. I will buy all my gas from you guys. And they're like, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's what right. Like, you know, po- positive financial like, you know, consequences? We'll mm-hmm. take it. Yes. <laughs> I think I think you're right, Stephen. So I think the problem, uh, one thing that a lot of Canadians are starting to realize, is that a lot of the things that are being used as the scary things to kind of like you know scare people into compliance, um, people are starting to realize that a lot of these things are being tossed. Like so, like recently I've been noticing, uh, like more and more articles are coming out that like tickets are being thrown out. You know, like uh, for violating the health orders, they're being thrown out of courts. There, uh, people are people are starting to wake up to the idea that at airports you can show up at the airport, refuse the COVID test, refuse the uh, quarantine, go home. They're gonna give you this ticket, and and like if you actually know anything about it, the tickets, if you fight them in court, they're going to get thrown out. And people are starting to realize that there's no real like all the a lot of these policies don't have bites. Like they don't actually have the capacity. So already you're starting to see, like people. I've had discussions and arguments with people about like it's like oh like well you know you need like you need to like you know listen to the authorities and it's like well no these authorities are are actually mm-hmm. enforcing illegal laws and these are not like they can't back them up in courts and now we're seeing that and so I'm finding one thing is that people are less scared now of getting a twelve hundred dollar fine are less scared of getting uh, you know, a ticket for the masks and all that because they're finding that as soon as you get them, there's so many legal organizations out there that are willing to take these on that the courts are getting flooded with these uh, these fights and they're just basically like saying, well, we're not going to win this. And so they're, they're not going to waste money yeah. and time and effort and, and, and uh, valuable resources to fight something they're probably going to lose. Mm-hmm. And so... There's, there's this kind of wave of people who are now saying there's there's really not as many consequences as we thought, like serious consequences. And this is actually really moving in the right direction. I really like how this is going. 
Because people aren't scared anymore. Not as much. As much as I don't want to encourage like the overwhelming of the court system, yeah, it's how we're moving forward. Because <laughs> if the court system is not overwhelmed, then the court's like, okay, well, we have the time to look over this stuff. And like some of us might side on the side of the government. Because the government's it, like the courts are a public system and it's like well we're kind of that like we're approved through government processes and if we continue to go against the government then the government will probably kind of prevent our progression and maybe halt our whatever i'm not like 100 percent aware on how the court system works here in alberta but i, I think it's I, I i think it's like it's complicated but i, I think there is an element to the point where they're they're making a cost benefit analysis mm -hmm. i don't think that they i don't think that they think that they can win these and so they're trying yeah. to delay i think they're trying to delay these yeah i i think that there are some which they're like oh yeah well we can win these like in certain grounds like of course the in the instance of pastor Coates. It's going to be an interesting weekend of May 3rd. I don't know what day of the week May 3rd is, but we will cover that when it comes. But it's going to be an interesting time because, of course, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom is going to force the Albertan government and it's going to force other provincial governments to be able to defend their rationale for these lockdowns. And it's going to put a lot of real pressure on these governments to say, is this rational? Is this logical? Are you just putting people Whoops. Whoops, out of business, out of their livelihoods yeah. for no reason? Are you saying they can't attend church? Are you doing all these really harmful things? And do you have solid data and solid reasoning behind them? Not so much. Not so, so much. Like, I like that it gives the opportunity for organizations like the Justice Center to prove their points. Because I think they're going to do a really good job in court. I'm just hoping that we don't have a similar kind of judge to the guy who denied him bail. Yep. Because if so that's the case, then I, there's a real problem coming. So I should mention this, Stephen. I, I, I just thought of this. Um, so one of the things I've been doing, and I encourage all our listeners, if you haven't done it yet, I, I encourage you to start writing your MLAs, your city councilors, and even like the provincial uh you yep. know people like you know like whoever whoever is your representative start writing them i've been writing uh his name is uh jeremy nixon he's my uh mp for calgary klein so my my he area was. my provincial <laughs> representative he is he's no 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 he was he was mine until i moved oh okay until you moved yeah, yeah. so i i emailed him about pastor Coates, and i will give him credit he did actually Give me a like you know well written response. I disagree with his approach, but it, like his response was not bad. But what I basically have been doing is I keep asking him three basic questions. So I'm like, what evidence are you using? Is the Alberta government relying on for asymptomatic spread? What evidence are you relying on for the uh, for the effectiveness of lockdowns and preventing the spread of COVID-19? And has the Alberta government done a cost-benefit analysis? Three basic questions. I've asked him this three times already. Mm -hmm. He has yet to get back to me. Yeah. And I would encourage you, if you if you have a chance, ask your representative what basis, like what is your evidence for these things? And can you actually send, like, you know, what what is the basis for all these things? Because the thing that most people don't realize, the charter violations, like, 
it's it's undeniable. Your government, your Alberta and your federal government, they're violating your charter rights. That's not undeniable. So people say, oh, they're not violent. Like, no, they are. And they, they, they admit that they are. They know they are. That's not a question. But the question is if they're rational and reasonable violations as per Section 1. The problem is people think that they've already proven it. Mm-hmm. And they don't yep. realize, nobody realizes they have not. And the only place that they're going to have to, like, they're going to lose that or possibly lose that justification is in the courts, which is why the James Coates thing is a big deal because they're going to have to present some evidence. And if that evidence doesn't hold up very well, not only is Pastor Coates going to be vindicated, but their entire basis for the lockdowns and masks and all this other stuff, that all falls apart too. And you know, the weakest Stephen, can you guess the weakest part of their entire basis? The one thing that if it falls apart, the entire house of cards collapses? PCR. You know what that one, one PCR test? You knock down the PCR test, everything else falls apart. Yeah. It's like Portugal. Yeah. I'm yeah. actually hoping you know that will happen. You know what's actually really funny? I was thinking about this while you were monologuing. The brother. You got me monologuing. I did. You sly dog. I know. I know. The brother <laughs> of Jeremy Nixon was in Fairview okay. on Sunday. Okay. Oh, at, at our church? Yeah, the church we went to on Sunday. The, his brother okay, went to Fairview. Okay. And I'm like, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Wait, you just know this guy? Yeah. No, like that. When, the girl that I was talking to. So this is... Mm-hmm. Somebody that I knew from church a while back, I saw at Fairview when we went to the church in Calgary that was opening up Fairview Baptist Church. And her husband is Jeremy Nixon's brother. What's his name? <sighs> you just know that it's a Nixon. That's what yeah. Like, I know that her, na- her last name is now Nixon. Okay. And I know that they're related. And I'm fairly certain they're brothers. Well, it's either brothers or cousins. So- so what was the like what was her take because she did you talk to her i talked to her a little bit she's like yeah we just want to go to a church that's opening up and we want to go to which we're like supporting pastor james because we can't drive up to edmonton every weekend and so this is kind of our way of doing that i'm like yeah that's totally reasonable and i'm i'm getting a bunch of people to go with me on sunday so I'm hoping they'll be able to go because my wife is having surgery tomorrow. So hopefully she'll be well enough to help me a little bit to take care of the kids. Might try and conscript the grandparents. Come along. <laughs> so, Perfect cause. I know. So I'm going to try and conscript a bunch of people to come up with me to Fairview. I've already convinced like five or six people to come. So let's oh, do it's this. Not a hard, it's not a hard sell. It's I know. not a hard sell. It's just, like don't, just tell them churches. you're getting into a time machine. Time machine going back a year and a half ago. It's like, would you like to experience what church used to be like? Used to be like. Yeah. Yeah, it did not take much convincing for people to be like, do you want to come? And they're like, yep, we're going. And I'm like, sounds good. All right. (laughs) You should have seen seen the look in my sister's face when I told her about that church. It's like, 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 was anybody wearing a mask? I'm like, oh, a few people were, like, you know, here and there. It's just like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah my parents were also very concerned because they're like 
but the arrested, arrested for going to, yeah they were more concerned they were concerned about covid at all it was like we'd get arrested for going to that church and i'm like you're gonna get arrested <laughs> for going to church and i'm like yeah. is there a more noble purpose for being arrested come on <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. power with me here all right so that's gonna be the end no! that's gonna be the end of today's show we're already at a minute <laughs> an hour and 23 so Definitely going to cut it off there. Goodbye, so long, a Beatles and good night. Oh boy. This is what I live with. Oh no! You live with me? What? No. This happen? I have to talk to you every <laughs> week. <laughs> Usually it's not you too bad. You love it, you know it. Yes, I enjoy our meetings, yes. So if you're following us on Facebook, please continue to listen, subscribe to our content, give us a review, and share these videos with your friends before Facebook knocks us off for some arbitrary stupidity. If you are on YouTube, which of course is our newest platform that we've been on for two weeks, and in that two weeks we have gained about 1,600 views, which is dope. And I hope it continues to go up and brings YouTube to rival YouTube. And I hope that they get on their <laughs> streaming services because that wasn't good. But... <laughs> If you were in any of our podcast platforms, do not hesitate to download our content and share it with your friends. And finally, if you were on Parlor, always remember to echo, follow, and upvote, and comment on everything. We love to engage. Even if you disagree, we love the dialogue and the back and forth. It's all me. It's none of the others, because this is my echo, baby. Echo, echo, <laughs> But I will try and engage as much as possible. And know that if you're watching, if you're listening, we value you all and we appreciate you for letting us take up some of your time. So without any further ado, here at the Half-Blind Hecklers, as it says right up there, we may be blind, but we can still see. Yeah, you eventually got it. We can still see the truth. I can't really see it. <laughs> I know, it's, it's on there. But... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody.